everybody. It's Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean, your host, with my co-host, Ian Gibson. Ian, good sir. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, man. Uh, good to be back in the air conditioning now from last week. Dude, man, that was brutal. It was like, uh, you know, there was cloud coverage, but I haven't been in Florida. That was the first time I had been in Florida in like two years. And like, uh, man, Jesus, like. Uh, it felt like a game in the swamp. Dude, it was brutal. And like, honestly, I got so lucky. Um, I got those press passes and like I go into uh the elevator to go up to the press room and the door opens as you get out of the elevator and it's instant ice cold air <laughs> it's like it was just like heaven on earth yeah, I was like, like the well i didn't even care about anything else like you know you get food or whatever and there's tvs i didn't even care i just wanted air like ac and i was like oh thank god and it, <laughs> yeah. and it felt great and like um you know to get away from that was great but then it was funny because like I ended up uh, hanging out with my friends um, that came to the game and we were like, I hung out with them for like at least like at the end of halftime all the way into like the fourth quarter. So, you know, as much as I had those passes and I was in the press room, I wasn't in the press room very long. And, uh, you know, and but uh, I want to shout out to USF Athletics for uh, giving Hater Radio um, the media pass, uh, which, you know, that's the third time we've been able to get a pass, which is great. You know, I've been very fortunate uh, to be able to do those. And especially a game like this where it's, you know, Florida, you know, it's a bigger game for USF. So for them to give that out is really cool. And, uh, you know, um, hopefully we can get more. You know, I would like to eventually, like, you know, Ian, get you up into Gainesville when we oh, yeah. can and like, you know, get you up there for bigger games. Like, you know, if if we could have, you know, obviously get you up to um, for this game, but obviously we couldn't. So whatever, you know, I mean, it's just keep working things, you know, like as as much as me and Ian have talking about it the this year, you know, this has been a really good year for us so far. I was looking at the traffic to our website. We've already almost surpassed the amount of visitors to our website than uh, we had all of uh, two years ago already in, and we're only two weeks into the season. So that's telling you we're moving much better and we're getting people to, to, to read our articles. And I was looking at the, um, the numbers for the podcast and it's close to like, 30 unique listens to as far as the intro, which is good. Um, and then the latest, the first episode, we have like 16 listens to already. So it's going good. You know, it's it's definitely, you know, starting something, which I think that's what feels good about it because it's like for the longest time, I wasn't getting anywhere with it. And I would, you know, it was getting frustrated. I'm not going to lie, Ian. I was last year, I was like looking at all the numbers as we were going through stuff and I was just like, you know, I've been doing this for five years at that point. And it was just like, this is frustrating. Like, what do I have to do? And I realized, you know, with anything, with any type of business or venture, you have to put capital towards stuff. Mm -hmm. You really just can't it's like, an like investment. Yeah. And like, you can put sweat equity into a lot of things, but you know, the sweat equity is not going to get you nearly as far without the actual capital in the investment and you know just putting in honestly you know i'm i'm gonna say it like you know and i'm not ashamed of it the 
the stimulus from, uh, you know, this latest round that like came through and I had all that money and I didn't really have uh, any need for it. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to put it towards the business. You know, we got the t-shirts, we got the stickers, we got the mini footballs, we got the banner and, you know, we had a great event and Ian, I know you, how much, how much fun you had. I mean, you were telling me, what, what did you say it was? Uh, I, I was, uh, well, I mean, there were so many things I was telling you that it was about the game or just the experience, just like itself. The, the experience of like doing the podcast there in the in the you know the the the, uh, the, the parking lot of Raymond. Oh James yeah, State. no, I said it felt like a college game day. I yeah. felt like we were doing like a little college game day show uh, out there in front of the stadium, you know, and all that. Um, yeah, the last week was one of the best experiences I've ever had doing any football, um, you know, covering because I've covered high school. I've done some college and stuff. That was one of the best experiences I've ever had and was having our podcast be out there in front of the stadium, uh, you know, kind of. I should say Jehovah's witnessing people uh, with our shirts and uh, <laughs> stickers and footballs and stuff and telling us to check us out. And it felt, felt really cool and doing the show outside the stadium. It felt real. It felt very, um, uh, it felt very, what's a good word? Obviously good. Um, uh, I, I would say, I don't want to say like super professional, but it felt like, you know, legit, we felt legit. Uh, when doing it, it felt really cool to like, you know, do this kind of stuff because we haven't been able to do this before for obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, you know, it sucks the fact that we we live so far away from each other to, to be we able live to do to, so We much. live a coast away pretty much. Yeah, I know. And it, it sucks that that is what it is. But I mean, we're making the best of it considering we have so much distance between us. But like, you know, and I'm glad you you enjoyed it so much. And, you know, and like you said, I think, you know, what becomes with it is it feels more real now. It's like yes. one, you know, one was the, the one step with me with doing this was the website that was huge. And, you know, getting, you know, the, the web address with the name in there, that's huge, you know, to be able to get that, that was the first thing. Then it was like, you know, moving forward with it, doing articles, you know, getting traction there. And then honestly um, with uh, you know, making, real things with the logo because we had the logo like i had the yeah. logo and i had it on the website and i had it on my twitter profile and the instagram profile and it's like that's great and all but it's like once you see it in real life and like you know i got it right here you know this is the sticker right here and then i got the mini football and they look great they look really good on these things and it like feels real like i can see this shit and like you know it feels good to know that it solidifies it, it yeah and you know like i even okay so the original logo was just hater radio and then i actually modified it to add the dot com on there so like and even like because like the the mini footballs you had to do in white so i had to like alter it there to make it white and then like you know change things a little bit just to like be able to do it so i feel good about that because i had to do the photoshop there and i don't know it's um i'm excited man and i know this is um i know people probably won't want to hear this part but i just want to say it because you know we worked really hard at that and like i spent a lot of money to be able to pull something like that off and uh it was totally worth it every yes. every ounce of it like 
you know, you helping out being there, you know, bright and early, um, you know, making sure we got the the tent and everything brought there. And then like, you know, God, I was on a flight for freaking like 12 hours. I left at 10 PM on Friday and got to Tampa at nine 30 in the morning. And you know what, man, it was totally worth it. Like everything was cool. Like we were if you told to... me we're doing if you told me we were do we're doing this again uh this this Saturday, I'd be like, Yeah, let's do it. Have, I, I, <laughs> would, I, would totally I would call work, tell them I'm I would call work, I'd be like, Hey man, I, I uh something came up this Saturday. Uh uh you know, I would totally I would totally do it again. Do you without, know what, like, without a shadow I mean, of a doubt. Like what would be cool, like if we could eventually get to this point, is yeah. if we could like almost like rival something like game day. And then have our own thing. I know that's obviously way off, but I'm just saying, like, imagine that. Like, we had our own deal where it's like we came to certain games and then, you know, like we tailgated there and then we had the broadcast and we just did that. Like, I don't know, whatever game we think is like a cool game to go to. Yeah. You know, and that would be badass. I mean, obviously that costs a lot of money, but it's definitely something to look out for on the horizon. Yeah. Like if, if we made enough money doing this, where we make like, I don't know, I'm just ballparking, but like if we made like a hundred grand a season, each of us off this thing, and then, you know, that's enough money to be like, you know, fly out every couple of weeks, rent stuff when you go into towns. And then, um, uh, you know, well, actually you wouldn't even have to rent because one of us could just like bring it on the flight. You can yeah. just like check that as a bag and then pick it up when you go into the airport. But you know, like just doing something like this, like every, I don't know, once a week. Cause it's only like, it's what 12 weeks a season, you know, give or take like, well, 12 to 14 weeks because you always have yeah, like depending all the bye on weeks, and, bye stuff. weeks and so yeah. And, and week zero and whatnot, but it's like and conference you know, championships, conference championship, but you, I mean, we could do conference championships, but it's not as fun because it's yeah. not like the, the college campus type thing. No, um, but uh, no, it would, it just like, this is long, long term. This would be like, you know, if stuff like really went well the next couple of years and then like five years from now, then we're like, oh, let's take this on the road every week. And uh, I mean, that would be dope. Like, oh, go yeah. to like go to like uh, Oklahoma for games or go to like Alabama for a big time game or go to Notre Dame or like uh, Clemson or whatever. Just whatever big time game that's going on. Just like go to these games and experience them and, you know, doing them live from there. And then we could like. I don't know. The sky's the limit with this stuff. And um, I'm excited, you know, because it seems like, you know, with the numbers that I'm seeing with this stuff, it's seeing it's being becoming more real, becoming yes. more like tangible and more like, you know, something that could be potentially something. And it's it's exciting. That's why I knew like I knew coming into this season, I was like, OK, we can do this game in September 11th, you know, and be like, boom, Florida, USF. It's targets two of the, the fan bases that we uh, talk about the most. And it's like, you know, if I can somehow finagle to get there and like I barely I barely was able to go because of that job I got. And like, yeah. if you know, because I was supposed to be there longer. I was supposed to be there for almost a week, but then it was like. I had to just change the flight and be like barely there. I was like, I was there 36 hours, but uh, no, it was, uh, it's, 
I'll tell you people, the people that listen to this, you know, we are uh, really enjoying ourselves. We love the, the, the sport of college football. And, you know, with what we're all doing right now, we're trying to convey that to you all and to speak this into reality and make hater radio a big time thing. So with that being said, thank you for all the hospitality that we had at USF uh, at Raymond James stadium on uh, Saturday um, Ian got to go to the game. We'll talk about the game in a little bit in the uh, the recap of week two. Uh, but first, let's go ahead and start the show. So, yes, like I said, my name is Chris McLean. Ian Gibson is our co-host of Hater Radio. You can reach us at haterradio.com where all of our articles. I just put up an article about the QB dilemma between uh, Anthony Richardson and Emory Jones at uh for the starting quarterback for florida gators uh you can reach that on hater radio you can reach us at hater underscore radio at both instagram and twitter twitter we have more of a uh following so we're we're more active there instagram i'm not really active i've kind of like given up on it it just doesn't i don't get links to people people don't click on the links and I think you need like a like 10,000 followers or something like that to be able to like post links. So it's not even worth my time. Uh, but regardless, um, you can reach us all there. Ian's going to have a a uh, preview of the Florida Alabama game. Ian, what are your social media handles? Uh, my social media handles are uh, G Gator G on Instagram and YouTube, uh, Twitter, which I've been kind of more using it now um has is uh i believe it was the g gator g as well I, I have like two of them that's the main one i've been using um and that but those are my uh current uh media handles right now awesome okay so yeah you can reach us there for all of your interactions with us and uh anything about uh you know specifically articles that we post or whatever so how the show works is we do a recap of the week before and then we'll do a look at the Heisman uh, watch. We uh, then look at the top four teams as well as the top six, which is technically the last two out uh, potential playoff teams. And then we do a look at the week ahead and we give our predictions and we just discuss the teams that are involved in all these games. So we give like a rundown if any major storylines are coming up or whatever. So let's get into it. Week one, I uh, know week two recap. Uh, we didn't have that many games uh, this past week. It was kind of a limited affair. We talked about Kansas coastal liner, uh, coastal liner, uh, <laughs> coastal Carolina. Carolina. God, I can't say it. Uh, last, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we talked about it last week, so we don't need to talk about it again, but then, um, the Pitt Tennessee game. Um, did you get a chance to watch the the recap or anything of this? Because I, I saw the recap and I was actually intrigued by all what happened in here. But uh, what is your opinion on what, what happened in this game? Um, I was keeping an eye on it. I did watch the recap, but also because this game was going on in the stands. And of course, we always keep an eye on our rivals uh, during the like intermediate plays. We had my cousin had the game on his phone. Um, so we we're kind of 
of like letting all the other Gator fans know we're kind of being like their sports sticker about what the Pitt Tennessee <laughs> game is going on. And it almost happened. I was almost dead on about uh, my I thought Tennessee was going to pull this off. I thought it was going to be because Hendon Hooker was going to uh, come in and save the day. Uh, he was the uh, best player when he was inserted in those plays uh, for Tennessee. He's the one. He had two touchdowns, 193 total yards uh, in the game. Um, but Penn State, through a huge second quarter, they had, I think, 27 points in the second quarter. Um, was just Pitt. You said Penn State. Oh, Pitt. Yeah, Pitt. <laughs> Sorry. Get yeah. ahead of myself. Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> had uh, like 27 points uh, in that quarter. Uh, Pickett uh, had a very uh, efficient day as well. Um, the defense on both sides uh, led a lot to uh, be desired. Um, but I wasn't too far off. I said Tennessee. I did call Tennessee on the upset, but Pitt was able to hang on. Uh, there was just too much points on the board for Tennessee to come back from. Uh, but, yeah, I uh, was thoroughly um, impressed with Pitt being able to hold on. Um, and also about the insertion of uh, Hendon Hooker uh, into the role of quarterback for Tennessee. Did uh, did Milton end up getting hurt in that game? I thought that's what that's why he got that he didn't end up playing, or was he just straight up pulled? Um, I don't know. I um, I didn't see that part. I believe from what I saw, it was. Um, um hooker was inserted in um and it wasn't an injury at least that's from what i saw from the highlights and from what i heard always watching the game for like the three minutes before the, the game on the field started at the usf game um yeah i'm not let's see injury status could determine tennessee's starting quarterback made it on jones health he doesn't seem as starter said would start, but he didn't say Milton would start over Hooker if he recovers from a leg injury. So he did have. Oh, an injury. Wait, he did have. So an it injury. was injury. Okay. That's why Hooker came in. Um, you know, Pitt was in control of this game from the second half on, and uh, you know they were up like two scores most of the second half. So. Um, you know, it, it really was remarkable that Tennessee came back because that's, you know, that's a good sign. Uh, but it also points to the fact that they're probably not to where they would like to be yet because Pitt is, you know, not a top mid-tier. ACC team. They're like a mid-tier ACC team. And so if they're not even beating that team at home, that means they got a lot to worry about. That means like, they're probably not going to beat Georgia. That's a guarantee. They're probably not going to beat gonna Florida. Be, yeah. The, and then they more than likely won't beat Kentucky. But they have been – I think they've done all right against Kentucky over they've the last showed, few years, even yes. though they've been terrible as a team overall. Um, so, you know, that's like three, four losses right there. Um they have to play Alabama. They ain't beaten Alabama. God that's for them. damn sure. So that's another loss. That's four or five. Um, I don't know where the wins come from. Vandy is a win. That's easy. Um, Missouri, close. That could be a close game. That might be a toss-up. Depending on what where both teams stand at that point in the game, that could be a toss-up. I still give the and, edge to Mizzou. And where that game is played as well. Because if it's on the road, you know, I, I would think that Missouri has the advantage there. But uh, South Carolina is another game that uh, I don't know right could now. Be also I, be, 
I, I'm really curious to see what happens, what we talk about coming up, uh, about what South Carolina does in this game coming up. But uh, as far as Tennessee, you know, they've got a lot of a lot of growing pains to go through. Um, if Josh Heupel is really the guy, um, they'll stick with him. And I think they will just because, like, Jeremy Pruitt, I knew he was never going to be any good. I, I knew all along. That's why I didn't even like, not that I like cared. I just knew like all the, like when they went, what is it? They went seven and five. And then I think they won their bowl game against Indiana. Yeah, That was when they had that one, uh, one streak, but I wasn't like, I, I remember saying it last season. I was not convinced about uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Cause uh, they, they, they won like a bunch of, terrible teams they like beat like missouri and vandy best and like with south carolina in that streak right exactly and like south carolina with a muschamp was terrible so like not really an impressive win so um you know jeremy pruitt and then he got fired really because of that that co- the controversy of like you know giving uh yeah, money the in the meals. mcdonald's yeah the happy meal uh money deals which now it's like if they had just waited a year, they didn't even, they don't even have to do that anymore. They just pretty much give them money now. Yeah. It's like no big deal. Like I mean, you can't like just straight up give them money. Like a school it's pretty can't damn give close, Ian, money, but they, it's close. It's, it's close very now. close. Cause Bryce young is already making like over a million dollars. And like, you know, he, he started two games, you know? And yeah. so, uh, but uh, let's move on. Cause we, I, I don't have much time tonight just cause um, I work early in the morning. So um all right, so the next game, uh, biggest game of the day, uh, Oregon, Ohio State. I watched the highlights. Uh, man, I I really think that Oregon is this team that if they can show up like they did Saturday, you know, because they didn't look that great against uh, Fresno State, but they mm-hmm. looked – they look like one of the best teams in the country. They look and, damn good against Ohio State. And I, you know, thinking about it now, I put in my list of my top four and my top and my last two out. I think I'm going to change something there. I think I'm going to add Oregon in that list as well. So I'm going to change that. Uh, but uh, let's move on. Oh, let's talk about it a little bit. What What did you see there uh, as far as like uh, did Oregon play a better game or was it Ohio State? like lacking there or what, what, what's your opinion of this game? I think it was just Oregon playing a better game. And I think it was led by um, CJ Verdell um, because the running attack, I was honestly surprised how much it gashed the Ohio state defense and does show, you know, Ohio state is, I want to say rebuilding, but there is a lot of new faces on the other side and they just weren't ready for that kind of attack because CJ Verdell, just ran. He had one. He ripped off a run for like forty yards for a touchdown. Uh, he had mm. a bunch of big plays. Seventy. It was like seventy Seven. some. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a long one. Um, it was not a like, you know, air raid type Oregon offense that we're used to seeing. But it just showed. Up. And I did say if Oregon was going to win, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I did say Oregon does have the edge in speed. Uh, they are the mm-hmm. faster team, and they used every bit of it. Uh, in that game, it just showed how much, maybe not stronger or more athletic, but how much faster they were. Even on the passing plays, they were able to slip behind the block by the uh, defender. And especially with Verdell, as soon as he saw a hole, he was going to break it open for at least like as soon as he had the ball, it felt like he was going to get like eight yards on the carry. And I don't care who you're playing uh, against. You're not going to win a game when you're giving up that m- much chunk of yardage to any uh, team. 
Um, Oregon played fantastic. Um, not to take any away from Ohio State, they did a very good job as well. It, this is one of those games where it's kind of a shame one of these teams has to lose. Um, I'll definitely, definitely give uh, credit to C.J. Stroud. He almost passed for like 500 yards. Um, he had, I think, over 50 passing attempts, but he was well over like 450 yards. He did everything possible with that Ohio State offense to try to boost them up. Um, I think the running game has really anchored Ohio State so far because there was no real, you know, solid, you know, feed it to this back and, you know, get, you know, bulldog for the first down uh, that we're used to from Ohio State. Um, but long story short, it's a very good win for Oregon. I'm as much as I am normally not a fan or trusting of West Coast teams, Oregon definitely proved themselves to me with this win. They definitely looked like a team that can, you know, be knocking on the door for a, a bowl game in the New Year Six and uh, for the playoff. Yeah, and uh, it, you know, definitely CJ Stroud had a huge game. Had a huge game and. Freaking uh, three of the receivers for Ohio State had over a uh, hundred yards each, and it was, dude, just a remarkable game in the air. But uh, like you said, I think the rushing attack needs to be something that they need to like, because it became uh, one dimensional. Is what yeah, happened. And, it's like they knew they had to pass because either but, they were losing or they didn't have the run game. Right. They they because the game was like zero zero into the like the end of the first quarter, but then like Oregon went up and they stayed up for like two scores for like most of the second half. And I think once you go down that much, you almost have to rely about the passing attack. Yeah. Cause like you're, you're kind of limited to just that. So it makes it much more difficult to be able to like, you know, implement the run when it's like, you don't have that much time, especially near like the fourth quarter when they were really chasing it. Um, but uh, you know, I, I've been hesitant sometimes on Oregon because it's like, they always seem to do this. They beat it. They seem to be some team that like can't be a potential big time team and potentially get to the playoff. But I don't know. They always seem to like shit the bed the last couple of years, but you know, win like this, a win on the road against a top five team, you know, it goes a long way. And now they're ranked number four in the country. So, dude, number four, like, you know, all you have to do is just win out and you're pretty much in the playoffs. So it's like they're in the driver's seat because that's the best win so far this season. Uh, So, like, we'll see going forward what ends up happening with Oregon. But I like their chances. You know, USC just fired their head coach. So they're in, like, kind of like a death spiral for this season. (laughs) So this season is – over for USC, which is terrible. And then UCLA is that danger team. Um, mm-hmm. That's the team I've, I've, I've been really high on. And, you know, uh, you know, that would be a PAC 12 championship for the ages. If they get there, I actually, um, I think that they play each other during the regular season. They do, they, they do. play October 23rd. So that might be, I might even try to go to that game. So that might be, um, uh, something that I look forward to because honestly, that game's at the Rose Bowl. And I, dude, when I went there uh, two weeks ago, that was great. I had a great time. The Rose Bowl is a great location. You know, it's right in the middle of a neighborhood and it's just this, you know, amazing stadium. So it was really cool, a lot of fun. But uh, okay, let's move on real quick because we're trying to get through this quick, everybody. So 
Um, the game that we went to, we both were there. We did the live broadcast for Hater Radio. So we did, we were there at the Florida USF game. Ian, give me your thoughts on how Florida fared, and then I'll tell me I'll tell you my thoughts on USF. Yes. Um, well, it went as as I told you after the game. We were pretty dead on with our predictions. Um, Florida had, had absolute control of this game, um, really from the start, and especially in the first half. Um, first two quarters, that was probably the best of the game. I know it's only been two games, uh, but that was the best the offense has looked um, in this like small sample size. The offense was clicking, no matter who, no matter who was calling the snaps. That first half. Uh, the Gators' offense was clicking. It was like an engine. You almost thought they were going to score every time. Um, the second half is where they kind of like hit the brakes a bit and play calling and stuff. Um, they were definitely driving and stuff, but you know we have you know the turnovers with Emory Jones and all that stuff, uh, fueling the controversy um, and that. But I think at that point, especially into the fourth quarter. The game was kind of in hand, and even when USF was able to get those turnovers, they only got what ten points out of it. Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. In uh, you know, in those situations, you need to get a touch. You need fourteen instead of ten to really threaten for that. Um, the defense as well played uh, very good. The coverage was uh, when it was in man coverage. Uh, the defense played very, uh, very good, especially with you know the uh, usual spe- suspects of Kiari Lum. Um, what the problem was when they were in like that bubble zone, that wasn't the most, you know, encouraging thing because that was at least five, six yards guaranteed because that's like, you know, all the quarterback has to do is, you know, see the open guy and pop it in there. Um, and I kept telling myself, and I think a lot of Gator fans, and probably you were saying this as well. I know my cousin, my uncle were saying the same thing. This stuff that the Gators are doing may fly against USF, it's not going to fly this week. They can, they have to eliminate mistakes um, and they have to, you know, stay laser focused and all that overall, very good win for the Gators. The offense looked uh, fantastic, including, you know, both, both quarterbacks looked very good in the first half. The second half is where Richardson kind of, you know, did perform better uh, over Henry Jones. Um, But overall, Good win uh, for the Gators, um, and I was very impressed by the offensive production. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not going to say too much. You know, I already let my opinion know about the Richardson uh, uh, dilemma. Um, you know, he like strained his hamstring, or not even strained, just like tweaked it a little bit near the end of the game, and on that long touchdown run, so. It's potentially that he might not play much in this game coming up, but as of like yesterday, Wednesday, um, it seemed like he's cleared to play and he practiced all week. So it looks like he's probably fine. You know, you, you have great trainers at these big time schools. So like they are able to take care of him and like get him the, uh, the care that he needs to be able to get to that game. So he more than likely will play Um, again, you know, Emery and, and Anthony, are, you know, they're basically both the starters at this point. And it's just really Emery comes in in that first drive. And that's really the only difference because they're both playing a lot. You know, I mean, you know, it it wasn't like Anthony was just getting like one or two drives. He was getting like 
you know, I, I counted was, like maybe what four or five yeah. drives, which for a backup is kind of, and it wasn't yeah, like it's little, a lot. It's, it wasn't it's, like little plug and plays. Dan Mullen was literally throwing them out there and like, Hey, this whole drive's yours. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's not a normal backup situation where it's like the backup is just there in mop up duty. This is like, he's legitimately competing for the starting job and he's doing really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think what is it? His passer rating. Let me see if I could see his QBR rating was a hundred. Literally yes. perfect. It was three for three. Yeah, three uh, for three. Average fifty yards a throw and two touchdowns. I mean, you couldn't get any better. And then his uh, rushing average is twenty eight point eight. Obviously skewed because of the long run, which was eighty yeah. yards. But still, you know, he only rushed it four times. Besides that, so. Even if you take that out, 80 yards, uh, let's see, 80, it would be uh, 35 yards, 35 divided by three is like still an 11, 11, 12-yard average, which is pretty sick for a quarterback. So, you know, this kid's a freak, man. He really is. There, you know, there are times when you see a player – and you just know it, like you just know what you see and uh, you can see greatness on them. This is one of those kids, man. He just, he, he I've been hearing people say like, it's like a man amongst boys. It's almost like. It looks like, it, dude, it, the, seeing him in person against the USF, it literally looked like that. I thought it was like, it's like comparing like if, uh, Derrick Henry was playing against like a peewee team is what it yeah, looks like. I, and the one thing like specifically with like peewee teams, the, the comparisons I've been hearing is like, you know, when in a peewee team, there is a kid that just happens to be much larger than the kids his age, you know, and he plays against them. It looks embarrassing because it's like that kid is, you know, 12, 13, but he's like six, four and, you know, two forty, and he's like way bigger than the rest of them. So, and that's what Anthony is here, but he just, I don't know. He's his speed times that were clocked the last two weeks. He was like the, one of the fastest players both weeks out of all of college football. It wasn't just like, you know, fastest in the South, fastest in the SEC conference. It was all of college football. And he was, he um his times even last week were uh were faster than Lamar Jackson's time uh like the last two years or something like that. And I'm like, damn, he's already faster than anyone in like uh, one of the, the the fastest quarterback in the NFL. Like, dude, yeah. it it's really like I realize what Dan Mullen is going through. He has got, you know, a very difficult decision to make. You know, nothing has really been said all week. He's probably been saying like, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to. Emory is starting. That is what he said. What I also mentioned in my article, too, is that it's very likely because he's hinted at it, that if he is healthy, Richardson will be giving more snaps and yeah, more drives. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like he is saying that, and more than likely, Emory could be the guy that comes out on that first drive, but that doesn't mean that uh, Anthony doesn't come out the rest of it. And Yeah, like, and, then, yeah and I've also said, too, I've mentioned this, I was like, as much as we would like a full-time starter, 
there's nothing inherently wrong with kind of having both of them in a few drives. I always make this comparison, but Dan Mullen has done this before. Chris Week and Tim Tebow in 2006. I mean, yeah. Chris Week that was a in. little bit different though. It's different because like, Week is more of a pocket passer, but both of them are both of these guys are more. Was mobile. Tebow taking on full drives? At that time, I don't think he was. Not, I don't, I, not to like at this extent. Um, yeah, because like Anthony is like taking over solid chunks of the game where he is the guy in charge, and you know Tebow would come in on like third and one or like pretty much you know, when they knew like five linebackers were coming at him, and then you did yeah, yeah, but to push him away. Yeah, it was like i i get where you're trying to compare it but i don't i think this is a little bit different you know cuz chris was like less of a runner so tebow would in those running situations he would come in but now it's like you know anthony is playing full drives and he's doing extremely well i mean probably the most well you could ever do and on all these drives he is he's been nothing but like dynamic electrifying just it's been it's been a true like pleasure to watch this kid and just every time he touches the ball, it's like uh, appointment viewing. So let's move on. Well, I wanted to talk about USF and I really should. Yeah, we should. Um, yeah, we should. So <laughs> I'm just going to mention it really quick. You know, I, 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 sorry. I, I had to talk about Anthony Richardson. Obviously it's the, it's the thing that like has been most prominent all week. Um, but um, uh, so, okay. So USF had that one drive in the first quarter that, they got down and got the field goal. And I was like, I was kind of hoping that they would have went for it on fourth there when they were in uh, inside the 10. They didn't. They got the field goal. And it was kind of good because, you know what, they hadn't got any points yet on the on the scoreboard all year. So it was kind of nice to do that. They really struggled through the second quarter. You know, Florida really took over there at that point, And pretty much the game was over after that. Um, but they got those two interceptions. They got a good uh, punt return at one point as well. They had some good things happen, but overall they are nowhere near the level of a team like Florida. No. And they have a lot of work to go. You know, the game coming up, we're not going to talk about it because it's not really an important game because Florida, our USF playing uh, Florida A&M is not really a big game that we worry about. You know, you know what was funny, though? I don't mean to interrupt. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, no, did you hear the announcer? They said um, USF will play next week our uh, in-state rival Florida a and I was like, when the <laughs> hell are they rivals? That's a yeah, D2 team. Yeah, rival. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it's a team, but yeah, they're not yeah. rivals. But it's 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 good that they get a win because they're going to beat Florida a Florida A&M. That's just what's going to happen. So it's good that USF gets the win, gets one of them, and hopefully they can get at least two or three more and then just build from – the, a decent year this year, not even decent, I would say less than decent year and build from this year and go forward. Uh, you know, recruiting is going to be an issue. I know we talked about that, how they need to recruit the Pinellas County and uh, Tampa Bay areas, you know, Hillsborough County and Sarasota Manatee. If they can lock down the Tampa Bay area, they will probably be better in recruiting. But like I said, it's very tough losing this game, but it's not the end of the world for them. You know, they got the, um, Indoor practice facility started the uh, uh, the what is it the um, uh, they they announced it and they like did the digging ceremony so that they're gonna like start building it so that's great hopefully that gets built and then the football center and they can go from there and then what um, 
the AD and uh, one of the uh, uh, chair members of the board of trustees for South Florida was talking about the uh, Weatherford. They were talking about the potential of getting an on-campus Campus stadium, stadium, which would be huge. You know, that's later, later down the line. That'll probably take like at least 10 years, maybe, you know, six, seven, but definitely it'll take a while for that to occur. But you can hope, you know, that'll make a difference, you know, get, you know, the students there to games, which is huge for games. If you get students at the games and then you can get the alumni uh, excited about the school as well, especially if you do something like building on campus stadium. So again, let's move on. Uh, it was a great game. Glad we could go. And uh, you know what? There's another one next year. So maybe USF has a better showing next year. <laughs> it's in Gainesville. So, okay. So UAB, Georgia, it actually turned out to be a real snoozer. Uh, Stetson Bennett had a really huge game. I didn't watch the highlights cause I saw, or I didn't watch a recap, but I saw the highlights over the, over the weekend, you know, they had a, you know, great game. I would have thought UAB would have been a lot stronger, but, uh, you know, JT Daniels didn't play and Carson Beck. I don't know what happened to him. I didn't see, but like, I guess Stetson Bennett came in and, you know, threw for like 400 yards or some shit. I don't know. Just, he he was, went, I remember he went like five for five with through two or three touchdowns and like 150 yards or something yeah, like that. Something like that. We're going to move on. Cause it's nothing really to talk about there. This other one, we're not going to talk much about either. Cause it was kind of a snoozer game. Cause the uh, Texas A&M's quarterback got hurt, but they uh, Texas A&M won 10 to seven against Colorado. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not really impressed but, with yeah. Texas A&M Same. and I would have been really pumped if they got upset, but, I don't know. What, what is your opinion on this? No, I, I was right. I was actually – because that was one of the games I watched uh, when I got back. We were watching. Um, A&M was not looking as impressive, and I get dealing with an injury to your starting quarterback um, is a big blow. But that doesn't excuse the rest of the offensive play for falling apart, and it was very, very – it got really scary um, towards uh, parts of that game. Uh because yeah, it they, had like, to, they had to score with like uh, like a minute or two left or something like that, you know. Yeah, so, and and yeah, was that was, what, you know, it was it wasn't very impressive. And I get you know losing the starting quarterback was a problem, but the overall offense still hasn't you know wowed me yet from A and M uh, so far this year. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm not high on them, and uh, I've never been really high on Jimbo. You know, everyone else seems to be high on Jimbo, but. I don't think he – I think he's a good offensive mind, but I don't think uh, – I don't think that he is, like, the best head coach. Let's see. What does it say? Uh, Richard, pulling surgery when you hear him. Injury occurred while – Could sideline King until mid-October. So, they have some big games coming up for AM. So, if they lose like one or two of them, they're pretty much out of the SEC West yep. right away. So, hey, whatever. I don't really care. So, I'm not really a big AM fan. So, not my worries. But, uh, okay. Next one Iowa, Iowa State. Dude, I saw like the offensive totals for Iowa in this game. Uh, they didn't like do like anything offensively, but they had so many. Uh, forced turnovers that it was like takeaways oh yeah so many so many takeaways that it was like i was like damn like really that many like it was 
it was kind of remarkable how um how they were able to really like alter that game because you know Iowa State is a good team and had all these guys returning and I would have thought that Iowa State you know would have uh been a contender for a possible playoff spot but but then again Iowa's defense looks really good it was not only were they able to get the turnovers but they were able to get uh big sacks on uh Brock Purdy and like you know, and they force the kept, turnovers, and you yeah. know they—that's what they did. They made them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's uh, it. Let's see, yeah, they only had their quarterback for Iowa only had 106 yards passing, and they only had 67 yards rushing. That is 173 yards, and they were like totally in charge of this game, like, and it yeah. was it. That's what that defense. And and Iowa State had a late touchdown, but like besides that late touchdown, like it was really like and it was closer in the first half, but like Iowa was definitely control. Yeah, they were in control the second half and like never really in doubt at all. Um, I am interested to see what happens with this Iowa team. You know, it's definitely a potential Big Ten champion team, but we'll see. Okay, let's move on. Uh, NC State, Mississippi State. Did you get a chance to watch the recap of this? Or yes, I did. Um, this game was fun uh, from the get go because of the uh, kick return. Um, oh yeah, right away that was great. <laughs> right from the jump, a hundred yards to the house. That was yeah. that was you know you don't see that often. Um, but that was a very good. This one was probably up there with the best game of the day. Yeah. Um, this is what I've been wanting to see from Mississippi State. Um, is the consistency on both sides of the ball. Um, because that was the problem I've had with a lot of, you know, with Mike Leach so far with Mississippi State, is including last season and even this last game, uh, not against NC State the week before, um, is that it was so inconsistent with them. They would either, on both sides of the ball, either the defense would give up a big play or they would be able to, you know, stop them dead in their tracks. The offense would throw an interception, triple coverage, or they'll thread the needle for a 50-yard bomb. But this one looks like a full, complete win uh, for the Bulldogs. Uh, and this is a very good win because NC State um, is a very is a pretty good ACC team. Um, I, I was very impressed uh, with how Mississippi State was able to get this done. Um, I The matter of it now is can they be this consistent throughout the year? They've shown that they can, but can they do that every game now? Yeah, and uh, the NC State scored late, so it was really like a, you know, they were up like 24 to 3, you know, near the end. And I'm like, man, this is, they were, you know, it wasn't like they were blowing them out, but they were still way ahead to the point where they were in control of that game. Uh, one that I wanted to talk about uh, that we, uh, that I almost skipped was Texas, Arkansas. Um <laughs> I talked to an Arkansas fan on the flight um, from Tampa to Houston, and he was super excited. He was like blown away with how well they played. And, you know, I watched the, I actually got to watch the whole game on my flight. And, uh, you know, I was surprised, you know, like Arkansas with um, their quarterback, you know, he was Jefferson. Yeah, Jefferson Heat, man, he really controlled that game and he was the difference, you know, like he's he's way better than Franks. And like Franks is 
on a NFL roster. Like, and yeah, <laughs> you know, and like, I just think this guy like has more, I don't know, more like ability, you know, more like, um, more versatile. Yes. Like Frank's seems like limited in some aspects, but like Jefferson was like, you know, able to make certain passes was able to like, you know, and break off big very, runs and the, and his rushing ability too. Uh, because I think he got over like, uh, 70 yards rushing. Yeah. It was uh, something like enough to make a difference in the game where it was like, he was making first downs when they needed it. And, you know, they played really good defense as well. Kept, you know, Texas off the board for the most part, you know, like didn't let them, you know, get huge plays and Arkansas, that's a team to look out for, you know, just like Mississippi state, Arkansas is another pretty solid sec West team, you know, look out Alabama, look out Ole Miss, look out Auburn. That's a team that really could knock one of them off and Mississippi state. Both of those teams could be quite dangerous. Okay. uh, Next one. App State against Miami. Uh, intriguing game. They've been playing that matchup every once in a while, every other like couple of years. You know, either like Miami will go up there, like App State comes right, down to Miami, yeah, to Miami, and like seems to be like this like weird thing that they play each other a lot. But um, close one. I mean, it was a field goal with two minutes left to, yep. for Miami to win, but Miami pulls out the win. I think it was like 25-23. Yeah, it and, was. Uh, I was that close from getting my other upset right. I, I, I was watching the game, and I was like, oh, I was so close. And I, I was, you know, I'm not, I don't have a dog in the fight, but I was kind of hoping I would get one of my upsets right. Yeah. But I did call that App State wasn't going to go down there and just, you know, be kicked around. They are not this, you know, a team to be meddled with. They are a good team. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Miami – I don't know. Derek King, he actually looked pretty mobile in the, the, he looks the better. Yeah. And some of the like runs I saw him on, but he still is, he's limited, you know, he's not the best passer. I don't know. It's just, I'm amazed that he, he was the starter over Trask all those years. I still yeah. am <laughs> like Trask is an NFL caliber quarterback. And then you have Derek King that will never never play in the NFL. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what that high school coach was thinking. Okay. Last two real quick, Missouri, Kentucky. Any thoughts on that one? Uh, that one was, was a pretty uh, good game. I thought that was like the, ma- you know, marquee matchup uh, for the SEC. Cause I, those were the only two SEC teams. Yeah. It was the only two inner inner intra conference game. Yeah. Yeah. But a uh, great game. Um, I will say, you know, the 35, 38 uh, or 35, uh, 28 victory. Uh, for Kentucky and Kentucky is, you know, you can't sweep on Kentucky now. We haven't been able to sweep on them in a while. Um, Kentucky is uh, building something uh, down there. I don't think they're at, you know, like maybe like SEC championship caliber. Uh, but with these wins, and especially of how the way the offense is run, um, it makes them very dangerous and very lethal with whatever team they are playing. Um, this was a very good game. Good job uh, by Missouri um, as well, especially with the passing uh, attack um, from uh, I keep Bazilak. Um, I'm not sure if I pronounced it totally right. Yeah, Bazilak, Bazilak, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but he had over uh, four touchdowns. I think he had, you know, three, he was close to 300 yards um, in that one. Uh, but overall, this is a good game. Again, it's one of those games where I was like, it's a shame one of these teams, you know, 
ha- have to lose because uh, it, it definitely went back and forth uh, between these two. Yeah, he had like nearly 300 yards. Yeah, and you know, uh, I think they were like hyping up Kentucky to have like this huge uh, passing attack because they did well against one of the worst teams in all of college football in week one. And he only had 179 yards in the second week. So back down to earth, but their rushing attack was really good. They had uh, Chris Rodriguez go over uh, 198 yards, which is huge. And then uh, Wandell Robinson had 73 yards. So that's between the two, that's nearly 300 yards, which is quite impressive between just two players. Um, I don't know. I uh, I'm still remain to be seen. You know, Missouri is like one of these teams that's probably, you know, five and seven, six and six type team. Kentucky, when they play a team like Georgia, when they play Florida, when they play, I don't know who else they play. I don't know if what West teams they play, but regardless, they're going to have tougher teams to play and then we'll get a true test to see what they actually are. But uh, this is a good win for them. But again, temper that with the fact that they have to play tougher teams down the road. Okay. So last one from uh, week two, Utah, BYU, the, um, the Holy war, as we are uh, known to call it. Uh, well, my family calls it the Mormon war, but. Or the Mormon war. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, what, what's your opinion on this one, Ian? Uh, this was a good one. Uh, you know, I really feel, you know, I did call Utah winning this game, but I just want to say, uh, you know, BYU rushing the field after beating Utah for the first time in that many years, you know, being a Gator fan, it took us a long time to beat Florida state in 2018 and 2012 was the last time we beat them. Um, I have, you know, I know that feeling of finally knocking off one of your arch rivals. And especially when Utah was kind of, you know, predicted, you know, to have a better season and to win this game. Uh, but overall, the game was uh, very good. But towards the end, BYU just ran away with it, uh, especially in the second half. It, w- it was one of those things where they just grinded it out. And towards the second half, they just it looked like, you know, the Utah team was just too tired and too uh, debilitated. Uh, to keep up with uh, BYU. And they definitely put up a fight to try to come back, uh, but BYU has just had too many points on the board for them to come back. So overall, good win for BYU. Um, definitely couldn't, you know, if they keep, you know, keep this up, uh, have potential to make some noise in some uh, bowl games. It's funny because they actually do, uh, I might be able to see them because they are playing uh, USF, uh, I believe in two weeks. Um, uh, not this week, but next week. Yeah, and it does... And I, I do know uh, the schedule isn't too favorable, um, but depending on how teams, you know, rankings fluctuate, they could have that big marquee matchup like they did, even though they lost last year to like uh, Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Well, OK, so I, I saw quite a competent rushing attack with uh, BYU. And so it looks a little bit different from what they were used to last year with, uh, you know, an aerial attack with Zach Wilson. So uh, their quarterback situation is obviously different. So um, playing to their uh, strengths is is really what it is. Yeah. So, you know, it's a different um, attack this year. Uh, They were able to basically, you know, take it to Utah and, uh, I would have thought Utah would have been the better team in this game, but I was wrong. There's a bigger game for BYU coming up this week uh, that we'll talk about in a second. But 
good for them. And, uh, you know, seems like they've got potential for a decent year. You know, we'll see. Uh, let's move on. I'm going to do rapid fire through all of the rest of this because I uh, I got to hurry up and end this. So, okay, my Heisman right now, I got Bryce Young, Spencer Rattler, Matt Corral, and AR-15, Anthony Richardson. So that's my four. Uh, kind of just don't really have a leader. It's just those four, I think, are the best four players right now. Um, anything that you want to mention in that Heisman list or you, any of someone that you don't, you, you don't have in that list. Yeah. The only two I don't, I have, you know, Spencer Rattler and Bryce zone, but I w- did put based on his performance, CG uh, Verdell from Oregon, you know, yeah. over 190 yards um, on the ground and, you know, big bursts of play. It showed how lethal he is in open space, but also Brandon Armstrong for Virginia had a fantastic game. And he's had a pretty good uh, start to the year. He had over five touchdowns, I think he did have five touchdowns and I think over 400 yards. Um, he definitely has the accuracy um, to, you know, get these, you know, rack up these touchdowns, kind of like in a Kyle Trask type of mold is what I've seen from him. Uh, but I put him on, you know, maybe not a Heisman favorite, but definitely on a watch. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So um, move on to playoff teams. I've got, as of right now, I'm going to change this slightly. I've got two Pac-12 teams in here in the mix. I've got Oregon and UCLA. I got Iowa and I got Alabama. And then my last two out are going to be Oklahoma and Georgia. So who do you got in your first four in? So my first four in is number one, Alabama. um, Number two, Georgia. Uh, But three and four have changed. Uh, Three, I have Oregon. And four, I have Iowa uh, based on how suffocating their defense is. And my first two out is uh, number five at Cincinnati. And yeah. number six, Clemson. What about Oklahoma? They're number seven. <laughs> there you go. I'm okay. still not right. that Tulsa win. I'm, you know, it's still, I'm a bit. Tulane. I'm, I'm still a bit Tulane. 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 Sorry. <laughs> I keep getting, I don't know why. Tulsa and Tulane, I keep getting mixed up. That's no worries. Okay. We're going to now finish up. We're going to actually go do, normally we like to do like actual score predictions. This week, we're just going to do win-loss here real quick. So like which team is going to win? And I just rapid fire through this. You know, we went through most of the storylines with everything going on with every other team. So we don't really need to do too much in the what these teams are going ahead. So we're going to do this quickly. Okay, week three, look ahead. Nebraska, Oklahoma, who do you got? Um, I got Oklahoma in this one. Um, I, I got a big win. I, I still think Nebraska isn't there competitively. Yeah, so do I. Uh, I just don't think um, Nebraska is like is up there with like any echelon of any team. Like if they're if they're anywhere, they're probably like a mid tier to low tier uh, Big Ten team right now. Cincinnati, Indiana. Who do you got in that one? Uh, that one, this one I was looking forward to, uh, but with Indiana, they kind of stumbled a bit. I have Cincinnati uh, getting a win over a Power Five school. Um, think Desmond Winter, Desmond Ritter, and Ford uh, find a way to get enough points on the board from the vaunted Indiana attack. Uh, but I have Cincinnati win, winning this one. Yeah, I got Cincinnati winning too. I just, I, I like them a lot. I think they'll be, you know, right there at the end and. You know, they played Georgia competitively, even though they are a group of five team. And I give a lot of Georgia fans 
shit for almost <laughs> losing to a group of five team, but they still played pretty well. And you never know what could happen. They could get in the playoff if things uh, fall the way, if, if they fall the right way. So next one, I will, uh, I will say though, with that game, I don't, that isn't my upset pick, but I could see that being an upset. I have Cincinnati winning, but I could see an upset there. Yeah, it could be definitely. It's definitely got a potential uh, Virginia tech, West Virginia. Who do you got? Uh, this one I for, you know, I think West Virginia is sneaky, um, but I think um, Virginia Tech will have enough uh, on the board uh, to get a win here. I think it'll be a close one, but I have uh, the Hokies in this one. I don't know enough about this West Virginia team this year, so I don't know enough to truly say. But I've seen Virginia Tech play, and I like the way they play. I know that their offense is competent. And uh, their defense was well enough to stymie uh, Sam Howell. So if they're that good enough to stymie Sam Howell, I think they're able to uh, um, stop the West Virginia attack. Okay. Coastal Carolina, Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, I'm still uh, rocking with the Chanticleers here. Um, okay. I believe uh, – Coastal Carolina can get a win here. Um, they might make it interesting. Buffalo's uh, defense has been pretty steady, uh, but I think uh, Coastal Carolina will win with a big second half. Nice. Uh, I'm picking Coastal just because I'm liking this team. I like their moxie, and I think they're getting more and more confident as every week goes by. You know, Buffalo doesn't seem like – they're going to be much of a, a burden to beat. You know, they beat BYU last year. There's no reason that this BYU, uh, this Coastal Carolina team can't beat Buffalo this year or uh, this week. So I, I'm thinking Coastal is going to do well throughout the rest of the year and, uh, you know, expect big things from them. Potentially getting into a big bowl, maybe a New Year's Six if things fall their way, I don't think there would be a playoff team, but definitely potentially a new year's six bowl. Okay. Uh, Miami, Michigan state, who you got in this one? Um, I've got Michigan state in this one. Um, I guess this counts as the upset of the week, but Miami hasn't been overly impressive. Um, in this one, um, I will, I will say Michigan state is going to Miami at noon. Uh, so nor, you know, Snowbirds and you know Florida weather. It's like going to be ninety plus degrees, so that actually might play a factor. But I have Michigan State uh, actually winning this one, um, maybe by a touchdown. But I think Michigan State will pull off uh, by technicality the upset. Yeah, I I think Miami's actually going to be all right in this game. Um, Michigan State, you know, played really well against Northwestern in Week One, so you know they've got that going for them. I can't remember who they played last. Who in week two, but uh, Youngstown State, yeah, and they probably smoked him, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was like a you know, blowout. I, I have 40 to I think it was 41 14, if I remember, yeah, correctly. so like you know, not much really proved there. So the game against Northwestern proves a little bit more and shows that they can beat competent teams, especially a team like Northwestern that went to the Big Ten championship last year. So I can see. Michigan State definitely winning this game. Miami, you know, has been struggling. You know, they're one and one right now. They got blown out by Alabama and then almost lost to App State. So <laughs> I see Michigan State winning this one. Okay. Uh, I'm going to save the Alabama Florida game for last. So let's do Tulsa, Ohio State. Who do you got in that one? Uh, I think Ohio State back, bounces back. 
Um, the offense is just too good to, you know, be slipping up to a team like Tulsa. Um, I have Ohio State in this one big. Yeah, I got Ohio State. Uh, Tulsa, you know, is is the Golden Knight killer. And, uh, you know, let, let's see what they can do. But I'm <laughs> almost assured that Ohio State's going to bounce back and you're going to have a better game. Uh, Georgia Tech, Clemson, who do you got in this one? Um, I, you know, Clemson, you know, still is, you know, despite losing week one, I still think the Clemson team is, you know, just as good as it is. Uh, I have Clemson in another uh, win and probably a big one as well. Yeah, I have Clemson destroying Georgia Tech. I'm really disappointed that Jeff Collins has done so terrible. Um, you know, I thought that there was things, glimpses of possibility of doing well there, but it's just, I mean, he's on the verge of being fired there. So, like, I'm not expecting much out of this Georgia Tech team this year. South Carolina, Georgia, you know, usually in years past, this was a huge game. How do you see this game faring? Uh, I don't see it faring like past meetups when Spurrier was there in South Carolina. Um, I think this one, um, Georgia will win this one. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I think it will be like a methodical Georgia win. They'll just run it and run it um, and kill some clock. I've got Georgia winning this one because I just don't think South Carolina is able to stop that kind of attack. Yeah, I got Georgia winning it too. I think Georgia's going to run away with it, largely to the fact that their defense is really good and they're going to prevent really anything from that grad assistant uh, uh, quarterback. (laughs) Well, no, I'm talking about the South Carolina Um, guy. South Carolina. I don't even remember his name, but like the grad assistant, you know, he's just. I don't expect much out of him, but uh, Stetson Bennett, if he is the starter, I don't know. I haven't heard if JT Daniels is not the starter. I, I have not heard. Uh, yeah. So regardless, I, I still think George is going to put enough points up um, uh, who, whoever the starter is. So George is going to win that one. Uh, who do you got in Auburn, Penn State? Uh, this one, I have uh, Penn State winning this one in the wideout, uh, mostly for the fact that Auburn really does struggle recently on the road. Yeah. Um, I think Penn State will win this one um, maybe by a touchdown or two. Um, Auburn will definitely keep it interesting, but I think Penn State um, will you know, get the victory here and Auburn's road woes continue. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm not the biggest Big Ten fan. People always... You know, I, I let that be known so that people know that about me. Um, but I'm a realist as well, and I'm aware that Bo Nix is not that great of a quarterback, and he more than likely will throw at least two picks in this game. And if that's the case, then Penn State will win this game. So I've got Penn State winning this game. Penn State re- played really good defense in that game against Wisconsin. Uh, expect that to continue into this week. Um, Virginia, UNC, who do you got that one? Does Sam Howe? perform well in this one more so than that Vatek game. So technically this counts as my upset of the week. I think Virginia pulls it off. I think Virginia goes into Chapel Hill and steals a win from this one. Um, North Carolina, the offense still has not really shown well, last week. It did play better. Um, but I think against another ACC uh, opponent, um, Virginia wins is going to find a way to win this one by maybe a couple key plays or two. I think it's actually might be a shootout, but I have Virginia with the upset in this one against the Tar Heels. I think I'm going with UNC just because of the fact that last year, I think they only had two losses. And I think that that's going to 
kind of be the trend this year as well. I'm I'm thinking that North Carolina is probably going to be like nine and three, 10 and two again. And so what that means is, yeah, they get a loss or two or three, but they're pretty solid for the most part. And this is one of those games where they prove that. So I think they'll be fine in this game. Sam Howell, you know, still a, uh, a, a, a huge talent at quarterback. Um, they don't have those running backs from last year. So it's probably why the offense is kind of like it is on to, him now. Yeah. Yeah. And they're trying to find their identity. So that seems to be what is going on. And uh, maybe they find it in this game. I know you think highly of Brandon Armstrong and he could have a huge game against this North Carolina defense. I don't really know how good North Carolina's defense is. They played decently against Virginia tech. You know, last week it was probably they played some cupcake team, so you really can't tell from that game. But playing well against Virginia Tech is, you know, a step in the right direction. Okay, let's. So I'm picking uh, North Carolina in that game. So uh, last three, Tulane against Ole Miss. Who do you got that in that one? Um, I think Ole Miss wins this one. Um, you know, Matt Corral and the offensive attack of. Uh, the uh, Ole Miss defense is just too much. I will give Tulane credit. They were pretty savage. They put on their, I don't know if you saw, on their helmet stickers. It oh, says yeah, the SEC championships. Because yeah. they did used to be in the SEC. Yeah, so that, that, was, that is pretty damn hilarious. That is pretty cool. I'm not going to yeah. lie. That's a nice little history. No, I mean, I remember, I, I mean, I know Tulane was in the and SEC. Do you, but... do you realize why that's kind of fucked up as well? Because of Ole Miss has less SEC championships than that. Yeah. Technically, <laughs> for the long, a lot of people, you know, my uncle told me as a, when he was growing up as a Gator fan in the eighties, they would make like Georgia fans would make fun of Gator fans because Tulane had more sec championships than them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure it was brutal back then. Uh, you know, and it's, it's surprising that Florida struggled so many years, but you know what, since the nineties and the two thousands, they've have they have quite a few and you know, this last... in 1984 as well, but I mean, we're not allowed to count it. Yeah, I know. But I mean, this last decade was a struggle for Florida, but I'm, I think the future is very bright for them. They've got the recruiting there. You know, Dan Mullen's a great coach, so we'll see. All right. Uh, so you have Ole Miss. I've got Ole Miss. I think Matt Corral is going to have a huge game. Uh, Lane Kiffin's going to pick up some big, big gainer plays that, uh, you know, he throws up his uh, freaking uh, notebook, you know, to celebrate early. Like he knows yeah. <laughs> they score, which is great, which is hilarious. Um, last two, Arizona State, BYU. Who do you got in that one? Uh, I got the Cougars in this one. I think um, uh, the BYU rushing attack is able to uh, pound its way to to the victory here for this one. Um, and I think with this win, the hot seat on Herm, Herm Edwards gets even hotter. Oh, yeah. And I, that's that's my main theory with this game. For some reason, Arizona State is in the top 25. I don't see it. They seem to be on the verge of losing a bunch of games because of what's going on with him being potentially being fired. So this is going to be one of those games that puts the nail in the coffin. So, yeah, BYU, like you said, the rushing attack is really strong. That'll probably continue in this game, and I uh, expect them to win as well. Uh, last one, Fresno State, UCLA. Who do you got? Uh, for this one, I have uh, the Bruins in this one. Um, UCLA's look very impressive the past uh, uh, two weeks. Um, I actually think it might be a bit closer. I think Fresno State does have some talent on there to make it interesting, kind of like how they did with Oregon. Uh, but I think UCLA has enough to win this game. 
I like UCLA and I actually like UCLA kind of big in this one. Uh, I think I'm going to say like probably 17 point victory at least. Um, UCLA is definitely a team that I'm very high on. I'm definitely buying. I am, you know, uh, I can't wait to see what they do the rest of this year. It's exciting. And I'm glad for this, this town, this area to be finally behind a team like that. Cause it's been devoid the last 10 years. They really haven't had much except for what was it? The, the sugar bowl they, that USC went to like oh, three, yeah. four years ago that, but that was it besides that. Oh, there really the has Rose been, bowl against Penn state too. And that one, yeah, too. Okay. So those two games. Yeah. But besides that, it's really been like, nothing going on for this town, which is a huge media market to completely like ignore college football has been sad, but uh, yeah, I like UCLA big and you know, the, it's coming up. What was it? The, the Oregon game. That's like UCLA's next big game. So we'll see that coming up. Okay. So that's the show. Uh, you know, we're going to throw out the socials real quick and that's going to be it. Uh, you can reach us at haterradio.com. You can reach us at, Hater underscore radio at both Insta and Twitter. And Ian, what are your socials? Yes. Uh, Instagram, G Gator G, YouTube, G Gator G as well. And Instagram or uh, Twitter should be the same one. At least the main one should be oh, that one. Oh, I forgot because I was holding back. Sorry, we jumped the gun. Last one we have to do, Florida, Alabama. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, just give me your give me your thoughts on the game and then tell me who do you think is going to win. Actually, yeah. give, me a, give me a score as well for this one, too. All right, so for this one, um, get a, not too deep, but I will give a dive, dive into this. Um, Florida's going to throw the kitchen sink at this one. Um, they know they have to. Alabama just has too much talent, and it's not a shame to admit it. Alabama just has more talent than Florida. That's fair. They have more talent than everybody. Uh, but I think play calling is where they can have an edge in. Um, I think we'll see a fully healthy, a lot more of Richardson. I think we'll see a lot more of the rushing plays uh, there. The defense is going to be very, very important in this one. Uh, the defense cannot play in that soft zone because Alabama will pick that apart. They need to be playing in that man coverage and find a way to disrupt Bryson's uh, timing um, and rhythm and just get in the way of passing plays because you need that's the only way you're going to stop them. The other thing is they have to limit mistakes. Absolutely no turnovers because I've said if you give the ball if you give the ball to Alabama they will score either the defense is going to score for them or the offense is just going to take it in by themselves. So regardless, Florida needs to throw play a perfect game uh, for this one. Although I don't think it's going to be enough. I hope they do, but being realistic, I think Alabama just has too much. Florida will try everything they can to get the win here. But Alabama and Nick Saban are just too savvy in this one. I have Alabama running away with this one late, 38-21 Bama. Um, it's very difficult to be a realist with your own team. It just really is. Regardless of how logical you are and how um, uh, based in uh, fact – that you can be, which I try to be as much as I can with everything that we do with the show. And as much as like, you know, it is about rivalries and about hating other teams and whatever. Yes, that is at the core of what we'd like to talk about. But, you know, looking at this game as 
far up as I can away from like my emotions and like, you know, rooting for the Florida Gators. I have to look at this objectively. And I want to say that Alabama is going to win this game. And I really do. And I probably will end up saying that, but I'm going to talk it out for a second here before I give my prediction, you know, this team that Florida has comprised of the last couple of years that since Dan Mullen has been there is the most talented team that they've had compared on the 24 uh, seven composite rankings. And then like any point in the last like 10 years. So, you know, they have gotten more talented and finally are closer to these other big teams like Georgia, like, you know, uh, LSU and uh, Alabama. So they're not that far away from those guys as they were in 2017, 2018. And Dan Mullen was still able to do very well with those teams, even though there was a talent gap. You know, there's some issues as far as the roster is maybe like O-line depth isn't really there, which is kind of a shame because he's been there four years. But everything else... Safeties are not really that big of an issue anymore, which it was for, you know, the last couple of years. Seems like um, I think his name is Perkins, uh, you know, playing the star position seems to have taken over for Trevez Johnson. So that's kind of huge right there that they're kind of solving that, Um, you know, there's issues with the starting corners. You know, obviously, Kyrie Alum is not really an issue, but the, the guy opposite, which is Marshall right now, kind of an issue. But, uh, you know, we do have uh, Blades, right, from uh, yes. Texas A&M, potentially could play. I haven't heard much as if he's going to start or whatever. I know he's in the mix there, so he's got the potential. Um, and then linebacker-wise, Ventral Miller is out for the year. So yep. that's going to be a blow. But... I've heard that it's not really that big of a blow because Ventrell Miller can't really cover people in the passing attack. So, you know, if Hopper he was steps there for in, tackling. right. If Hopper steps in and then Diabati and uh, Moon. Moon and Bernie, if those guys step up, it won't even be that big of a deal if Ventrell Miller's not there. So we will see. I like all those guys. I like those four. I like that core. The D line is really good. Um, uh, the the new transfers, uh, you know, Brenton Cox, um, uh, Carter, uh, Bogle, all those guys are very good on the D line. Um, you know, the offense, the 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 offensive line is very good as well. Like, you know, they're making holes. They're you know, last year they couldn't rush at all. Now it's like mm. all they really can do, and that's not because they just rush it all the time. It's because the quarterbacks aren't really as adept at passing as Kyle Trask was last year, but they're more mobile. And so it makes those running lanes are there now because of that. Damian Pierce looks good. Malik Davis looks good. Uh, Jacob Copeland had a freaking phenomenal game against USF. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I see a team in Alabama that, you know, did okay against Miami, but Miami's not that good. So it's really not that good of a test. They played Mercer last week. Not really anything to really show off about. And uh, I don't know. I just have a feeling, you know, they come to the swamp. It's a three 30 game. You know, it's going to be hyped. It's probably the biggest game 
probably since that Ole Miss game. Well, Auburn was Auburn and LSU. I would say Auburn and LSU. Auburn over. LSU the last couple of years, yeah, definitely up there. But like, I would say it's probably in that range with that and the Ole Miss game. Those three games in the last like six, seven years, up there, right there, and um, going to be a huge game. Uh, SEC Nation is there for Saturday. <sighs> Talking about it, and you know what? I just I'm going to say I'm going to say Florida with the upset, and I'm just going to say it because. I think if Anthony Richardson can play a lot, which I think he will, I think they can win the game. And I like Emory, but I think Anthony Richardson is the future of this team. And I think if they do, if he does get in there, I dude, he's he's almost untouchable. Yeah. And if he is that way, like he did the last two weeks, and he does that against Alabama, they're probably going to win by like a touchdown, you know, or 10 points. So I'm just going to say Florida's going to win. I'm going to say Florida's going to win uh, 28 to 24. It's going to be close, but that's what I'm going with. God, I hope you're right. This is one time I do not mind being wrong. <laughs> Anyways, all right, we, we threw out the socials. That is the end of the show. Ian, thank you, man. And I'll uh, – okay, going forward, we're going to release the show on Monday mornings from – from going forward now on. So it, I know it was a little d- different off this last couple of weeks, but it's going to be Monday mornings. Look for the show, Spotify, Apple podcast, Google podcast, Stitcher, all of those, even more, whatever you can find, you can find them on. Uh, you can find them on the website as well. Haterradio.com. That is the show. Take care everybody. And uh, we'll see you next week. Peace.